Hey everyone, and welcome to the NCAST. I'm Guy Weissmantle, your host and Executive Vice President of Marketing here at NContracts. In this podcast, our subject matter experts from across the company will be talking with industry thought leaders about relevant topics and trends in compliance and risk management for financial institutions. You'll learn the latest tips and tools to manage risk in this ever-changing environment. Let's get started. Good afternoon. My name is Stephanie Lyon, Vice President of Compliance at NContracts. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by Scott Daughtry, who is the President and General Counsel at Bankers Alliance. Scott, welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. We're really excited to talk about compliance, examinations, and what you see with all of the clients that you have and that you serve today. We know that you are a great supporter of compliance. So my first question for you is, we know that you have many, many years of experience supporting bankers and that you see quite a range of different departments in these financial institutions from raging expertise to a lot of different resources. So how do you feel financial institutions should try to bridge the knowledge gap especially when they might need immediate answers to compliance questions because they have examiners in the house or they have a business unit that's asking them a lot of questions. What do you recommend, Scott? Uh, That's a great question. And and it's a big challenge for the community banks out there. Um, One thing we're seeing a lot of is that the experience is retiring out of banks. And as banks bring in new people, they're losing all that institutional knowledge. And that's becoming a challenge for them. Uh, One of the things we see a lot of banks doing is they're trying to get their retiring people to work as a consultant to help kind of bridge that gap for training. Uh, They're reaching out to their state banking associations for training. Uh, They're also reaching out to third parties that can help bridge that gap. Uh, You know, we're seeing a lot of that with some some of the companies out there, some of the banks that, like I said, they're losing that person with 20, 25 years of banking experience and replacing them with someone that's never worked in a bank. Uh, so, you know, they are having to get that person to stay on as a consultant, uh, mentors within the bank, if they have other people that are experienced and they can mentor that, that newer banker up. Uh, and then we're seeing a lot of colleges start doing banking programs, uh, which is really exciting that a lot of colleges are actually starting to implement a banking program. And the banks are working with them on that to help with the curriculum, do internships, get, get people a little bit of experience. So uh, it's, everybody's getting creative in how they can do that. Oh, those are some really great suggestions. And what are some specific areas in compliance that you think will be very important in the coming months? Uh, You know, PPP has dominated banks for the last year. What we're now starting to see is banks are starting to go through the exam process after PPP. Uh, So now they're having to start look at, you know, they banks had a big influx of capital, which is kind of weird because, you know, everybody's thinking like, oh, people are losing their jobs and all this. But when they got those uh, stimulus checks, a lot of people put them in the bank and kept it there, you know, because they were like, we might need it. So a lot of banks saw their capital go up, which sounds great. But as we, you know, anyone that's been in banking for a while knows if capital goes up, that can, act, you know, or assets go up, capital requirements can go up, it can be a, a problem for the bank. So, you know, we've seen banks have to struggle with that. It's not a great time to raise capital. Uh, We've also seen a lot of banks um, with concentrations in certain areas like hospitality. 
uh, have gotten really hit hard. Uh, here in Texas, the oil fields have been hit really hard. So we're seeing certain industries really be impacted by COVID. Uh, you know, anybody that's got a concentration in hotels, restaurants, bars, those banks are going to have a problem when they go through their exam because they've got that concentration. So, you know, we're seeing that come into play. Audit oversight seems to be really big right now. Uh, we've seen a few banks have issues with that where, you know, they had someone come in and do an audit, but they didn't necessarily really work through that very well with them. Uh, so we're seeing some banks criticized on audit oversight. Uh, CRA has become a big deal as well. It's always been a big deal, but it seems like it kind of goes in cycles and it's in an upcycle right now. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're keeping up with everything congressional, all the changes that we've seen so far with the incoming administration. So we are aware that with the incoming administration, we're going to see some scrutiny, especially, as you mentioned, CRA, fair lending, um, new initiatives and compliance. So how can financial institutions be best prepared to meet these changes that are going to be here and are already here for the most part with the new administration? I think that's going to be a big challenge. The one, the great unknown still is exactly how is everything going to change? Uh, We're still getting appointments into the administration. We're seeing changes at the regulatory agencies uh, that are going to much more of a uh, less away for, I guess, less of a bank friendly uh, regulator than than what we've had in the past four years. Uh, So, you know, I think banks are expecting more scrutiny. Uh, You know, something, you know, a lot of fraud has really picked up. We're seeing more and more fraud in the banks, uh, which isn't anything really given to the administration, but it's just something that's really picked up. And I think it's something banks are going to have to deal with. Uh, I think sharing of information between organizations is going to become much more important. Uh, There are some, some services out there uh, like the regulatory feedback initiative that banks can, uh, after they go through an exam, they can put in their comments. It's all anonymous. Uh, and that can help other banks kind of learn, you know, what happened during your exam? What should I be on the watch for? And then I, and I hate to say this one almost, but communicating with their regulators. Uh, most regulators are pretty open to having conversations with their banks. And I think it's important that they have that dialogue so they know what's expected of them because otherwise they're not going to, they're going to go into exam and be like, well, I, You never asked me that. I didn't know I should be doing that. Uh, So I think having that open dialogue with their examiners is also very important. I like that. Don't be afraid of your examiners. Yes, they don't. They don't bite too much. (laughs) So what common exam issues would you say we should be focusing on? And I, I know that Compliance Alliance, they, you guys put out a webinar on a monthly basis and you talk with your members about what you're seeing in the front line. So what can you share with us and what do you think these issues show from a compliance trend perspective? You know, I, again, going back to the audit oversight, but we've talked about that. The other thing we're seeing a lot of right now is UDAP. And that's kind of, in my opinion, is the catch-all. If a regulator can't figure out somewhere else that something fits, they can always throw UDAP in there uh, because it's so broad and, and such a wide range of, of items can fit under that. So we are seeing that come into play. Uh, the other big thing that we're seeing continue is the fintech. And a lot of this, you know, everybody was afraid that fintech was going to come in and disrupt banking. And it has to some degree, but what it's really done is a lot of those fintech companies, instead of starting a bank, they've realized we don't want that scrutiny. A lot of them got into it and they said, you know, banks really, really are tightly regulated. We don't want to be that tightly regulated. So we'll work with the banks instead of against them. So banks are having to figure out how to pull that fintech in and make it work with the way they traditionally do business. And, and I think... 
as as odd as it sounds, you know, the pandemic has sped that up because a lot of banks closed their lobbies. A lot of banks had their staff still working remotely and they've had to adapt uh, to that and they had to adopt some, some technology to get by. If you'd told a lot of bank CEOs that they were going to be conducting their board meetings on Zoom a year ago, they would have never believed you. Yeah. Now they're actually pretty good at it. You know, it's taken a while for them to really get the hang of it. But I think now that they have, it's going to be hard to go back to banking as it used to be. So I think that's going to be an ongoing challenge for banks. And I think they're going to have to figure out how to do some of these things using technology that's either existing today or something that may be coming coming in the future. Absolutely. And we talked a little bit earlier on, you mentioned that you are seeing a lot of the compliance departments maybe aging out a little bit, retiring, moving along, and we're having a lot of new talent come in. So if someone is new to compliance, it can seem extremely daunting. I've been there. I've had to learn that crazy learning curve. So what advice would you give the new generation or next generation of compliance officers out there? You know, I, I think it all comes down to educating uh, themselves and getting the education they need. Obviously, getting their CRCM is a great start, but that takes three years of experience before they can even sit for that exam. Uh, so getting up to that point, you know, I think there are some things they can do. They can uh, if their SBA has a compliance school, I highly always recommend going to that uh, because it will also hit state issues as well as federal. Uh, ABA has their regulatory compliance conference. Unfortunately, this year it will be virtual again, so we won't be going to it in person. Uh, but that's a really good event. There's you know usually about 2,000 compliance officers there. It's also a great networking opportunity and having that network of uh, people that are in the same industry in the same field is really important because then you have someone to reach out to. Uh, if you get stumped, you know, having someone you can pick up the phone and call or shoot an email to and ask questions is really important. So whether that's a, a mentor, somebody you met at, at, at a networking, a lot of the state associations have uh, services available where you can call and ask them questions. Uh, and then I also would say, you know, since we're both our, our vendors for banks, you know, also reaching out to your bank's vendors because uh, they have experts on staff that can help answer some questions as well. That's phenomenal. And always remember those resources that are out there for you, such as Compliance Alliance, of course, that can really help you with those questions as well. So Scott, we just talked about new incoming talent into compliance. What are some resources you may recommend to that brand new compliance officer that has never done this job? Well, again, I would recommend their state associations, ABA, uh, mentors. Also, a lot of in a lot of states, there are local compliance groups where they can get some training and, and uh, make those connections. Uh, and, and to give a somewhat shameless plug for our own company, uh, we do, uh, through our virtual compliance officer program, we are working with some new compliance officers that are have either been in the bank but never in a compliance role or have never worked in a bank and are now in a compliance role where we're helping them on a day-to-day -day basis on what to do in their job. Uh, not so much from an education standpoint, but like how to do their daily monitoring, what to monitor what to do with that information once they get it, how to do transaction testing, what to look at, uh, how to fill out a CTR or a SAR, uh, just how to do the daily job. And we work with them up until they're comfortable and then we step aside and they're ready to go into their role. I love that. A lot of times you just need help with the acronyms and getting through <laughs> and navigating that. But um, Scott, thank you so much for being here with us today. It looks like a beautiful day in downtown Austin where you're located. Um, and we hope to continue to see the work that you are all doing with compliance officers. Thank you, Stephanie. Always a pleasure to visit with you. 
Hey everyone, that wraps up another great episode of the NCAST, where we are able to talk with people on the front lines of risk and compliance across the financial services industry. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. And if you're not subscribed yet, we invite you to do so on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon.